want to speak to you today um, really from a personal uh, place. Uh, I talk about my own life. As I was thinking about uh, last night what, I, what God wanted me to speak to you all about, um, I started thinking about not the things that, that we do well, but the things that as fathers that we, we struggle with and we don't really talk about well, um, and we just kind of suffer in silence and silos uh, and, and go through things. Uh, so today I, I want to talk to the dads, but ladies, I'm, I'm sure you've heard these things before. I'm sure your husband is an amazing communicator. I'm sure he comes home and tells you all about his feelings, all about his day, everything he's thinking about. Uh, so I'm sure you've heard all of these things before. But I'd like to start today just to tell you a little bit about myself. Some of you may know me pretty well and some may not. Um, my name is Brandon Tuck. Uh, I am 36 years old. Uh, my wife Melanie is sitting right back here. And we have four amazing children uh, I have a daughter that's 12, a, a son that's 9, a daughter that's 5, and a son that's 1. And I know what you're thinking. Are you crazy? Some might say yes. Uh, there's a lot of times some debate that we hold the controlling interest in the children's ministry. Uh, so we're trying to bring in some more families to try to, you know, level that out. But I love my family. Uh, I do a lot of things. Uh, I own my own business. Uh, for about 15 years, I managed banks. Um, I am a coach. Uh, I am uh, a lot of things to a lot of people. But the most important thing and the thing that I treasure the most, I've been called coach, pastor, um, you know, all types of things. But dad is my favorite. And I'm going to tell you why. There's a lot of things we get to choose in this life. Well, you chose your house. You chose the type of car that you drive. Uh, you chose your spouse. You chose what you were going to wear today, what you were going to eat this morning, where you go for lunch after this. But let me tell you the one thing that we did not pick that God custom made for us, and that's our children. And we get one shot. And even though we don't like to talk about it, it scares us sometimes. It scares us because we know that we only have one shot, and and it seems like we've got a long time with them, but that time is ticking away. And just like anything else, when your equilibrium is off, the hardest thing for you is your balance, right? It's your balance. Well, our spiritual equilibrium gets off. And I know mine particularly uh, is constantly, I'm constantly adjusting, right? And I'm going to tell you some of the things that I, that I struggle with. And guys, I think maybe this is some of all of us today. But I sit there and I think, um, am, I, am I working hard enough to support my family? Am I working too much? Am I giving enough time to my ministry? Am I giving more time to my ministry than I am to my own kids? Am I spending enough quality time? with my kids, and Melanie would tell you that the thing that I sit there and struggle with the most is I've got four kids, and I don't want any of them to feel like they didn't get equal time with me. And they're all different, and all different ages, and that's difficult. It's a challenge. I struggle with finding time to spend with just my wife, and just my oldest, and just the middle two, and just the baby. And sometimes they're easier than others. 
And I don't want them to feel like, you know, one day when they're grown up and they're gone, Don, that they said, hey, I, I feel like you spent more time with that one because if I found out anything, they don't always tell you. And so you have to keep your hand on the pulse of your family and of your kids. Am I caring for my kids too much? Right? Or am I spoiling them rotten? Right? I know for me, I, we all want better for our kids than, than what we had. But many times I think, my goodness, am I setting these kids up for failure because they haven't had a hard day in their life? Will they appreciate it? Or will they just think that life's just handed to them? Do they see the hard work? Do they see the struggle? Do they see the failures? Now, we've been very blessed in our life, but we've failed more than we've succeeded, folks. And then we got the scars to prove it. But God's helped us through that. Are we protecting them from life too much or allowing them to fail? It's the hardest thing as a parent. You want to protect your kids. You don't want them to feel heartbreak, heartache, failure, uh, not making the team. Uh, so, so, and I see it especially today. These, these parents that they just, that, that they, they're here. And it's all in good intention. We, we all, we want to do that. We want to protect our kids. And God gave us that, uh, that charge to protect those kids. But are we allowing them to fail and learn from their own mistakes? Where's the balance? Where's the fine line? Sometimes I think, am I being too hard on my kids? And other times I'm thinking, am I not being hard enough? Apparently, you know, there's some, some, there's some things in my house that uh, they're hard lessons. They're, 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 they're learned the hard way. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, it got so bad they were all fighting that uh, we finally decided, we said, look, you know what, you guys, I'm so sick of hearing you fight. You don't have siblings anymore. They said, what are you talking about? I said, I'll tell you, here's what we're going to do. I said, you guys can't watch TV together. You can't be around each other. You can't play together. You can't eat together. We made them eat at different times in different rooms just to prove a point. My mom hated it. She's like, you know, they're with me all day. You know how hard this is? I'm like, I know. Well, you know. Melanie's a savage. She went and bought them all a toy and then made them play on it one at a time. But it took one week. They've been so sweet to one another. But those are things, right? They're hard. They're hard things. Um, I think the last one that I want to point out is, men, we have a hard time leading our families the way that God intended for us to because our families know the real us. They see our struggles. They see our failures. They see when we fall short. And so we don't feel confident in leading our families because we know that we're not leading ourselves. So we just kind of stay in neutral and, and don't do anything. But like I said before, all these things matter. But the most important thing is I think we get one shot. We get one shot with our kids. You know, we get a, a shot to um, be there and be with them. And you know what? At the end of the day... 
This is what I have to constantly remind myself. Is my kids, they don't need new clothes. They don't need all this. It's nice. They don't have to have it. You know what they need most? Now, they don't know they need it until it's not there. They just need their daddy. They need your support. They need your love. They need your encouragement. They need your discipline. Because it's a hard world out there. And we are setting them up for failure if we don't do all of those things. You say, well, gosh, that's, that's pretty tough. So how do we become a better father? How do we become a good father? So I thought, oh, that's okay. Well, how do we do that? I said, well, hmm. Well, to become a good father, you got to be a good husband first. Well, but to be a good husband you got to be a good man. Well, how do I become a good man? Well, to be a good man, we have to submit to God. So I think we're looking at the problem over here, how do I become a better father, when we have to retrace our steps and go back to the root and say, where's my life rooted in Christ? Am I following God? And am I a good man? Okay, and I'm going to tell you why I say that. Because you can be a great father, but let me tell you, the lessons your kids will learn will be more in watching your actions than the words that you speak. Not how just you treat them, but how you treat others. That you don't cut corners. That you don't talk out of two sides of your mouth, Right? So, so that you are a good man to everybody, not just them. Because if you do, what are they going to do? They're going to grow up and they're going to be the same way. I'm going to give you an example. So, I don't know, my 12-year-old daughter is here today. And as many of you might guess, right, I'm on pins and needles with her being 12. She's going into seventh grade. She's absolutely beautiful, looks just like her mother. And it worries me to death. That she's going to like some punk that, you know, and then, you know, Don may not ask me to be on staff anymore. I mean, I don't know, you know. Uh, but I worry about stuff like that. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's what she learns about being respected. Every time it's she and I and she's riding with me. I open her car door and put her in. I never say a word about it. But I do it because when it's not done, it'll say, hey, this is weird. Why? Why is that? Carter, my nine-year-old, sees daddy doing that and says, hey, that's, I guess, how you're supposed to treat a lady. It's not just in what we say, but in how we live and what we do. Do, are we a good husband? Once we're a good man, then we can be a good husband. Then it rolls over into being a good father. Because a good father is all of those things. So in 1974, Gene Getz, uh, he first published a book called The Measure of a Man. Uh, this is the book here. It's probably 15 or $20 uh, on Amazon. Um, and it has become a... a 
I think they've sold over a million copies. It's got the foreword here by John Maxwell. It's really, really great, and it was written for church leaders. Uh, Gene Getz was the pastor um, of First Bible Church in Texas, and they grew and all that stuff. But he wrote this book for the leadership of his church for the qualities of a spiritually mature man. And what did those look like? And so the, there's 20 chapters in the book, and the 20 chapters are off of the 20 qualities that Paul wrote to Timothy and Titus when they were up and coming about how to be great young leaders for the kingdom of God. And you'll find those qualities in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus, verse one, uh, Titus chapter 1. So, because it's going to be lunchtime soon, we're not going to cover 20 today. But I do want to cover three. Uh, I would encourage you, men, um, I, I would be glad to get you the information on this book. Uh, it is it, it, top of the list I would highly recommend uh, to read. It's truly life-changing. Really, really is. Um, but number one, um, it talks about how to ang handling anger appropriately. So we see that in Titus chapter 1, verse 7. Let me read it to you really quickly. And it says, For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, nor not greedy uh, for money. And we see in Ephesians 4 and 26, it says, be angry and don't sin. Not to sin in our anger. It's okay to get angry, right? We're all emotional beings. And that's okay. But what we have to learn to do is to handle that anger appropriately. Everything has a place, right? Like your fireplace at your house. When it's cold, your fire in the fireplace is great. Fire on the rug in the middle of the uh, in the middle of the living room, not so good. It's in the wrong place. It's it's inappropriately set. So our anger has a place, but we can't sin in it. As we mature as a man, we have to know. Hey, look, I've got to know when I am, you know. Pegging, pegging red here, and I've got to walk away. I've got to sleep on it. I've got to have some people in my life that I can talk to about this that can kind of say, hey, am I, am I overreacting? Am I underreacting? Now, many times what we do is we just find a group of, group of buddies that all just, yes, man, they agree with you, right? Oh, yeah, man, I don't blame you. I, I, oh, yeah, I'd be mad too. Yeah, don't do that. Try to find you some people that will disagree with you. It'll help your life. I promise you that. How to handle anger appropriately. Well, how do we do that? Well, it's work. It's, it's work. We have to ask that God would help us with that. As the praise team was singing, we got we to speak Jesus over that. It's have to, it has to be something that we're mindful of every single day. I get up in the morning, God help me. To, to handle my anger because it's not just the people that I work with or the people that I'm around that it affects, but it affects me. And I carry that home. And my kids see how I handle anger, and so that's how they will handle anger. Or many times we do this. We have to put up with stuff all day. 
at the office and at work because we need a paycheck, right? Guys, we do that. And we get home and we finally had enough and your fuse is about that long, right? And the first cup of spilled water and the rage monster comes out and starts tearing doors off the hinges and everything else. Why? Because we know that we can't, we don't mean to, but we know that's a safe place, right? We can take it out on our family who love us the absolute most because we know that we can. But we shouldn't, but we can. So guys, anger's okay. I get real angry sometimes. It's finding productive ways to handle that anger. Number two is fathering God's way. Uh, and this is in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 4. And this is what it says. It says, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence or gravity. Now, I, I want to make sure that we understand this here, okay? So, that he rules his own house, okay? That does not mean like with an iron fist, okay? You know, you step out of line, you know, kids running, screaming, hiding, hiding under beds. Dad's home. I heard the garage door open. Oh, no. Okay? Ruling over his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity or with all reverence. Okay, what does that mean? What does reverence mean? We, we, we have reverence for God. What does that word mean? It means that we willingly submit, that we have respect and honor, okay? Well, why do, we, why do we have respect and honor for God? Because He's shown His great love for us. So as a father, that's how we rule is through love. It doesn't mean that we're weak. It doesn't mean that anything like that. But it means that there's standards. And they're enforced with love. And that our children willingly do that. They're comfortable with us. So one of the wonderful things I've had the opportunity to do, and I'll be honest with you, I never saw myself as a children's pastor. And some days I still don't. But the beauty and the honesty of a child's viewpoint towards God is an amazing thing. It's, it's an amazing thing. It's so pure. And I think about the words that we say and the songs that we sing, you know, that He is our Heavenly Father. What, what, I've got a five-year-old daughter. She can't process what that's like, what that means, right? So at a in a five-year-old's mind, her thought process is this, that God's love towards me is the same way that my dad's love is towards me. So, if when I'm home, I'm on my phone, or I'm distracted when she tries to say, hey, Daddy, can I show you something I made today? I made you a pretty picture. And I say, yeah, 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 in a minute, honey. You wonder why people think that God doesn't care about them and have time for them. 
That's, I mean, from, from infancy, that's what we think. That they get angry and throw stuff and we do all these types of things. It causes them to think that God is mad at me and if I step out of line and I'm, he's got, I've got all this stuff I've got to do and I'm not perfect and I can't, I can't be perfect and every time I step out of line it's like lightning bolt, you know. I mean, that's what they think. That's why we grew up feeling sometimes that way. Now, is that how God is towards us? No. No. It couldn't be further from the truth. But guys, remember that the way that you father is a direct correlation of how your children will view God and how God loves them. Does God have time for them? Is God patient with them? Is he loving with them? And if you say, well, I don't really know how to parent that way. Well, get in this book and find out what God is like. God is love. God is mercy. He's patience. He's forgiving. He's got time for you. Number three. Olivia, you can go ahead and come if you want to. They'll think I'm almost done. The third one is demonstrating wisdom. And this one comes from 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. It says, A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach. Proverbs, Proverbs 16, 21 says this. It says, The wise in heart shall be called prudent. It's a wisdom. What, is that, what does that mean? And I think that's a hard thing to just define within a couple of minutes. So I want to tell you a story about a guy. Um, I want to be careful how I say this here because I, I, don't, I don't want it to be taken the wrong way. Growing up, I had, I had one grandfather... And I think he did the best he could. But we didn't have a lot of time with him. My mom's dad was never around. I never had a grandfather. And I can remember being a kid and hearing about all these kids that would go and go fishing with grandpa. And grandpa took me here. And papa, we went and did this on the, in the summer and... All those things. And I always remember feeling like, man, I wish, I wish that I had that. Now, don't misunderstand me. I had a good life. I had wonderful, still have wonderful parents. I had wonderful grandmother. And they filled the gaps. But I just never had that, that grandfather figure that really invested in me and took time. And I always longed for that. And I, and I prayed about that. Like God knew that was, a, that was a hurt in my heart. That's one of the things I'm so thankful for. That my dad and my father-in-law spend so much time with my kids. So let me just make a plug there. If you've got grandchildren, spend all the time you can with them. Because you don't know what it means to them. We moved to Florida a few years ago, 
for a short time. And we came back, and for a long time I wondered why, why was I there. And, and, and I think for a multitude of reasons. But I met a gentleman there, and he was a salt-of-the-earth kind of guy. He was retired. He was about 80 years old, and I loved him to death. And I had made some mistakes in my life and some failures, and, and he was a... He, was a, he had owned a construction company, and he had spent a lot of time in life as a business owner, had been very successful. And my time with him, of him helping me over some hurdles, some obstacles, some hurts, some struggles in my life, that's what I learned about wisdom, that it was prudent. He was... He was he was filled with humility. He had great discernment. He thought things through. He spoke life. Everybody he was around, he, he added to their life. He was just a joy to be around. And I thought, man, that's who I want to be. I want to be that. I want to be somebody's guy like that. And there's a multitude of things that we could cover today. And my point in all this today is to say, look, I know, guys, that as, as dads, we, we have our struggles. But you know what? Here's the thing. We suffer in silence, but we're all in it together. And guess what? We're all getting a little bit better every day. But if you're struggling with that, let me, let me put it in a simpler term for you. As men, we love to put things together. Right? And how many times have we bought something from the store and either opened up the box of said instructions, throw that right in the trash, or I just skipped a little bit. You say, oh, I see how this is going. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you put it all together and then realize you got to go back and take it apart because you didn't pay attention to the instructions. Yeah, it's very frustrating, right? And we go, dash. Gosh, man, I wish I'd have just read those instructions. They were, it's like, it's like somebody's done this before. Huh. Well, here's the same way that goes. Guys, if we are depending on our own reasoning and our own best efforts to be a good dad, it's never, it's never going to happen. That's never going to happen. You need the instruction manual, right? Don't throw out the instructions. Don't skip pages. Don't miss out on the, the small little details. Get in the instructions. Because somebody came before you and wrote it perfectly for you and I. But to be a good dad, you got to be a good husband. To be a good husband, you got to be a good man. And to be a good man, you have to submit yourself to God. Would you stand with me? If you're a dad out there today and you're struggling with 
finding your place or frustrated or brokenhearted or kind of just feel like you're at the end of a dead end and I don't know which way to go, I just want to pray for you today. I want to pray that, that God would put some people in your life to help you. Because we all need it. Wives, support your husband. That's my ask. Don't criticize him. It doesn't make us want to do anything. You know? Support them. Because let's be honest. We don't know what it's like to walk in your shoes. And you don't know what it's like to walk in ours. So let's just have a common... We're, we're a team. Let's have a common goal. Work together. Supporting one another. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you today. God, I thank you for each and every family that's represented here and those that are watching online today. God, I pray for these fathers, our fathers-to-be, our grandfathers, Lord, that maybe didn't do everything that they wish they would have done the right way the first time, that they're getting a second chance with their grandchildren. God, I pray that you would just love on dads today. Wrap your loving arms around them. Let them know that, hey, you know what? We don't have to be perfect. We're going to get it wrong sometimes. We're going to lash out and get mad. But our kids need to hear us say that we were wrong and, we were so and we're sorry. Now, we let us lessen the load from us. Help us. God, I pray if there's men here today that are struggling because they don't know you, God, I pray that, Lord, you would move in their hearts. Lord, I'll be available after the service. But God, if any man in this place today is apart from you and, and needs you to come in and be their Savior and the captain of their ship, God, I pray that you, the Holy Spirit, would work in them today. Now, God, as we get ready to leave this place, I, play, I pray that you will keep us safe. God, I pray that we'll have a great and enjoyable day with our family and with our fathers and our grandfathers. But, Lord, don't let us forget today as we're going through all of our activities to be thankful for the great Father that you have been and always will be to us. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Thank you all for coming out today. God bless you. Happy Father's Day.